Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast and the Sack Attack Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're going over Week 14, uh, the Week 14 game. So let's get right into it. All right, everybody, we are getting into the Week 14 games. And for this one, we're going to start off with Advocate's favorite team. We're going to go Chiefs Dolphins. So this game, it was pretty close. Considering that it was the Chiefs that were being played against, 33-27, not a bad game by the Dolphins. Um, the Chiefs, I believe, got, what, four or t- had four turnovers. Uh, Miami, in my opinion, should have won based on that, but they still fought a good fight. Uh, best fantasy performers of this one. I think we all have to mention Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill for sure. They were the stars of this game. Uh, Travis Kelsey put up 27.6 fantasy points, and Tyreek Hill put up 26.1, whereas Tua and Mike Gusecki are also stars. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, 27 points, and then Mike Gusecki, 23.5 at the tight end spot. It's not too bad. Yeah, Gusecki is looking to be one of, if not... Was favorite target along with Flynn Bowden, who we'll talk about later, but that was because everyone was kind of injured. But I agreed, Mike Kosicki's looking really well. Obviously, he's probably injured for this week, but it's something to keep note on, especially if you're a dynasty owner. Mike Kosicki's looking really well, right? That's something that we've mentioned or about Lynn Bowden. Let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. So, with Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, and Mike Kosicki all suffering injuries in this game, and then having Miles Gaskin on the COVID list. Um, that that gives a lot of opportunity for Lynn Bowden, who, when Devontae Parker was out, I believe had the largest amount of routes run on the Dolphins team since, and his stat line was seven receptions and eighty-two yards. He didn't he managed to he didn't get any touchdowns, but seven receptions and eighty-two yards is somewhat promising, um, and it sh- kind of shows that he can be a viable deep kind of flex option. And without uh, the starting pieces of the Dolphins, he could see an even more increased workload. Yeah, I think it depends on if Parker comes back and then also Jakeem Grant for slightly. I'm pretty sure Gesicki's going to be out for this week. And then Parker and Grant, we're not sure yet. But if both of those are out, then Lynn Bowden could be a volume play. Obviously, New England's a tougher, a tougher matchup. And then obviously, we don't know what's going on at running back. It could be Washington again. It could be Gaskin. So we don't really know anything about that either. And on the Chiefs' side, Patrick Mahomes didn't look that great, but they still are completely functioning as an offense. Right. I think this kind of shows how dangerously scary the Kansas City Chiefs are. Think about it this way, right? Mahomes threw three interceptions, and they had, I believe, four overall turnovers. And against the good Miami Dolphins team, they still managed to get the win. So it just kind of shows the elite level that the Chiefs are on like even with four turnovers they're still tough to beat and Miami isn't a joke team they are they are what are they right now I'm pretty sure they're in the wild card or they're they I think they even have a shot at winning their division but right now they're they are a Uh, legit playoff team so they're they're no joke they're not like from the NFC East where a joke team gets in they're they're a good football team but again even with four turnovers, Chiefs still managed to get a six-point victory. So I think this just goes to show that they should definitely be favorites for the Super Bowl and should repeat unless like another team does outmatch them in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the Chiefs are definitely my Super Bowl like favorites. And at the at the beginning of the year, I had Chiefs Saints, which I don't know if the Saints will look that good. Um, I I still have them coming out of the NFC, but it's tough to really make that call. But yeah, I, I feel like Chiefs... my, I feel like my Packers can come out with it and face the Chiefs uh, in the Super Bowl. I feel like that'd be a really interesting game. I feel like uh, the MVP race was kind of close with Mahomes and Rodgers, and I feel like Rodgers definitely gained a little bit of a step this week, but again, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Mahomes could still easily win MVP this year. He's having a pretty good year. I agree with that. Um, the The Green Bay run defense, though, is something that needs to be fixed before the playoffs because they could easily get upset by a first team if they have a really good run game, and that's something that could happen, but... Yeah, no, for this game, I think it was the same old on the Chiefs, except a little bit disappointing from Mahomes. They still had a good rushing output. From they had a Clyde Edwards Lair played decently well, but Tyreek and Travis had their normal game. But yeah, it goes to show that these guys are viable starters week in week out. And even Mahomes with three interceptions still had a really solid game, and they still won. So it goes to show that they're favorites, but also that you could trust these guys, even against a team like Miami, who's a really good defense. Right, and then for our next game, we're going to head on to Dallas Cowboys versus Cincinnati Bengals. This game was Cowboys 37. Uh, I feel like that's kind of expected, though, with Joe Burrow out with the Bengals. It's going to be hard to see the Bengals playing almost any team other than the Jets and be, and they'll likely be the underdog against everybody. Um in this game, some of our top performers from both sides are A.J. Green, who managed to haul in 18.2 points. The Dallas defense played very well, 15 or sorry, 17 points. Andy Dalton had a mediocre performance, but was had 15, so he was somewhat start-worthy in deeper leagues. And then Amari Cooper also had 15 points. If we take a look at this, though, Ezekiel Elliott continues to be slightly disappointing. Uh, he had 12 rushes for 48 yards, and then he also had two receptions for 11 yards and no touchdowns. So whenever we look at this, uh, Ezekiel hasn't been the same player without Dak. And then Andy Dalton kind of had just a mediocre game as well, like I mentioned before. 185 passing yards, two touchdowns. And something kind of surprising that I think we should mention is that Tony Pollard has actually been eating into Ezekiel Elliott's workload. If we look at the rush the rush attempts and the receptions at the pass work. Uh, both Elliott and Pollard had two re two receptions. Pollard managed to get a score, and then on the rushing work, Elliott had 12 rushes and Pollard had 11. So overall, it's, it's seeming more like a 50-50 split, at least from this last week. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts are on this. Uh, I think it's more so the game got out of hand. I think Pollard's being used more more and more but i still think it's mainly because it's just this game just got out of hand fast it was 14-7 and then 21-7 really fast in this game so i think it was more so they were using pollard especially later on in the game a little more so i think it's not something obviously zeke has taken a major step back from where he was drafted but it's not something for me that i'm too too worried about i think zeke still takes the majority but pollard's he's he's earning his touches but it was at the end of this game Right. I can I can tend to agree with that. It worries me a little bit seeing Ezekiel like, kind of struggle as of late. But again, st he's still somewhat start worthy because any week could go by and he could uh, get 
get the work and he could be a viable option like he normally is. It's just kind of something surprising to see. Uh, with the Bengals, nothing, nothing really good here except for A.J. Green, who had six receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Giovanni Bernard heavily disappointed. Three rushing attempts for eight yards and then also three receptions for 15 yards. And Gio Bernard was probably one of the biggest busts of the week who against the Dallas Cowboys defense, we were probably expecting something, especially considering with Burrow out, we were expecting a large kind of workload. And that just didn't seem to happen. The running back touches were everywhere with the Bengals. And uh, Bernard just didn't seem to get it done. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I, also, something to keep in mind for Dynasty players, Travion Williams might take the Geo uh, Bernard role next season. Uh, and he, as a matter of fact, he was taking a lot of Geo's work this week. Uh, just to keep in mind. So I wouldn't st- be starting Geo at all until we can trust him, which probably won't be for the rest of the season, as well as Travion Williams. So the running back core is not something you should be worried about. Hey, A.J. Green finally exists, but it really is too late, and you shouldn't be trusting him. Right, I agree with that. I wasn't an AJ AJ uh, Green fan uh, in the beginning of the year, and I still ain't one. Uh, I just don't, especially with no Burrow, it's hard to trust AJ Green to get it done consistently week to week. All right, on to I our next game: uh, Titans versus Jaguars. Titans unsurprisingly win this one, thirty-one to ten. Derrick Henry, it, like I mentioned on our podcast that dropped, I believe on Saturday. Derrick Henry can be a league winner, and I believe I was right. Derrick Henry, 36.2 fantasy points. A.J. Brown, 24.2, and Tannehill, 16.48. Overall, Titans had a great day. As far as Jaguars go, nobody really had a fantastic day. James Robinson slightly disappointed with 12.3. He didn't have an amazing showing like we've seen uh, from him most of the year. But Keenan Cole had 19.7, which is kind of surprising. And he happened to do pretty well. Yeah, Keelan Cole had a decent game, obviously with the touchdown. Uh, something to keep in mind, Gardner Minshew did come back in this game, and he's going to be the starter next week. So I do think it's a slight uptick for some of the Jags wide receivers, but not by much. Uh, I wouldn't be starting Chark, wouldn't be starting Cole, wouldn't be starting Johnson. None of those options for me are viable. I mean, James Robinson, you're still going to be starting. He's going to have a tough matchup, though, coming up. So it's the Jags offense as a whole just stagnant and obviously for a reason that's why they they only have one win on the season and then on the Titans side obviously Derrick Henry's going off and he's going to continue to go off I think the one thing to point out though is that Corey Davis had a it had, didn't have the best week I think it'll come back and I still think he's going to be a guy that could win new leagues but at the same time it was disappointing to see the small output that he had this week compared to every other week Right, and then one more thing that we should probably mention about the Titans is the tight ends for this team. Uh, Swaim had three receptions for a touchdown. Smith had two receptions. And then Fersker had one reception. Like, This is probably the weirdest team in terms of tight end usage I've ever seen. Is They got three tight ends that are all getting uh, catches, and then none of them are really even getting more than five like this has to be some of the weird one of the weirdest tight end groups I've I've seen ever, since like ever playing fantasy. Yeah, it was a uh Johnny Smith at one point was the tight end 3. And at one point he might have even been the tight end 1. 
but he just he's seen his snap share go down he's seen his target share go down and to be quite honest swain and ferkser end up running more routes than johnny does i mean johnny's a good blocker so that's could be that's one of the reasons for it but at the same time you shouldn't have to have that you shouldn't have to see that happen so johnny smith is somebody that i cannot trust starting and as a matter of fact i still had ferkser ranked higher than johnny smith like coming into this week because that's just how bad, like, that's just how little Johnny Smith has been used. So he's at this point, he's either touchdown or bust, and it's not, it's never usually a touchdown unless it's like a one yard score. Right, exactly. It's been a little disappointing for Johnny Smith in the back half of the year. It's kind of amazing how he went from being one of the most productive tight ends to now being an afterthought on his own team and being mainly used as a blocker. Kind of sad to see, lots of wasted potential there. All right, all right. So on to our next game: Cardinals versus Giants. This one was pretty much a blowout, twenty-six to seven. Cardinals um, on the Giants. Nobody did well on the Giants. Wayne Gallman, their top perform, their their top performer, ten point three points. Nothing special. Uh, he didn't do super great, and that was their best performance. Arizona, however, did pretty good. So DeAndre Hopkins managed to get twenty-two point six points. Uh, this is nothing really surprising. DeAndre Hopkins has been pretty solid all year round, and we can continue to see this. Arizona's defense managed to get 20 points, and then Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray has kind of had a slight decline uh, since his since his injury, and he hasn't been able to run near as much. When we've seen this, he had a dip in production. I feel like whenever he gets healthy, which hopefully should be here soon, we can see elite Kyler Murray type stats here, hopefully pretty soon. And uh, then Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake, I believe now has a firm grasp at the RB one in this backfield. If we look at the rush stats this week, Kenyon Drake had twenty three rushes versus Edmonds seven. However, Edmonds has slightly better involvement in the pass game work with four receptions versus Drake's one. Uh, when we take a look at this, though. Do you think we can expect to see Drake be the RB1 rest of season for the Cardinals, or do you think they may move to more of a committee approach that they had somewhat earlier in the season? The reality is, is it's kind of a committee in a sense. I mean, Drake gets about 20 rushes a game along with two targets, and then Edmonds gets eight to nine rushes or 10 at some points. And then gets four to five targets. So, I mean, it's a split backfield, but Drake just gets more of the rushing work. And as long as he scores that touchdown, he provides the RB1 upside for you. But because he's being used as a running, uh, just a straight up runner. And I think it was earlier on in the season, I kind of compared it to 2018 Derrick Henry, where it was either touchdown or not bust, but you looked at the five points and you were there like, why, why did he only get five points? And it's reality is he doesn't get receiving work. So that's where you kind of have that issue but he's been good as of recently and he's been somebody that you should start not the not the greatest of players to start but he is at this point he's an rb high-end rb2 to start each week right no i agree with that i'm i'm glad to see Kenyon drake bounce back i'm glad we don't have to do the Kenyon drake slander anymore but you know eventually uh, the slander just kind of, I, I kind of feel like the slander sometimes like gets players into shape and like helps them perform a little better. I'm not sure if that, you know, actually happens, but sometimes it seems like it works. I mean, it worked with Jonathan Taylor. 
it, it worked with Kenyon Drake. Uh, the only the only one it hasn't worked on so far is Joshua Kelly. So, but I don't think there's any hope for that. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to our next game: Bears versus Titans, another blowout. And so, to all the people who said that Watson should be t- uh should have been taken above Trubisky, apparently this game can prove them wrong. Uh, if we take a look at the score, so Allen Robinson. Trubisky and Montgomery all have a great day against the Houston Texans and their defense, which has been very bad all year in pretty much both both the run and pass game, especially with Bradley Roby now being suspended for the rest of the year. Trubisky throws for three touchdowns, one of which going to Robinson, one to Mooney, and then one to Graham. Montgomery also has a really good game, 11 rushes for 113 yards. So you do the math, that's over 10 yards a carry and a touchdown. So overall, Montgomery, though, has kind of seen a bounce back as of late, and that's mainly due to great matchups. Uh, do you think we can see David Montgomery continue this kind of performance uh, throughout the fantasy playoffs? I know that I believe he has a great schedule heading forward. Is Minnesota and Jacksonville coming up. So if anything, it's really good. Minnesota's... A decent one, but Jacksonville is fantastic. We saw what Derrick Henry just did to him literally a week, a day uh, before today. So it's it's going to be a really good matchup for him, and it's set out for him to finish as an R, like finish as an RB one in points per game basis. So he's an absolute must start for you rest of the season. There's no doubt in my mind, unless you literally have like unless you literally have James Robinson, Derrick Henry, and Aaron Jones. That would be like literally the only way. Right. So. And then on the Houston Texans side, pretty poor performance all around. Uh, running game was atrocious. There wasn't really anything there to show that was any good. Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen, seven receptions for 56 yards. Uh, pretty decent performance considering that both Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller are out for this week. Watson had an okay, mediocre day, 219 yards and a touchdown on 30 attempts. This this was just a weird game for the Texans. But again, Bears did much better, and Montgomery should continue to do pretty well overall heading into the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, something to keep in mind, Duke Johnson doesn't have his role secured. I mean, Buddy, uh, Buddy Howell, have you ever heard of this dude before? He had more snaps than Duke Johnson. I have not. Well, welcome. So, <laughs> so right now the wide receiver options for Deshaun Watson, and obviously he went up into a rough, or he's been through t- some tough matchups, and that's why we, I kind of advised you might want to sell high on him. And the reality is he has Chad Hansen and Kiki QT as his number two, or as his two wide receivers, with guys who were like fifth wide receivers or worse coming into this year. And then now Buddy Howell is his running back. I mean, he doesn't have much to work with. So and he don't expect don't expect elite QB1 numbers from him. Right. And he doesn't really even have much of an offensive line to work with either. So um, just overall, the whole offense isn't looking too good. Watson, I, I really feel bad for Watson. His career is basically being wasted over at the Texans. They aren't. It doesn't look like they're going to be good anytime soon. Um, I just feel, I just kind of feel bad for the guy, honestly. 
So, all right, then on to our next game, Broncos versus Panthers. This game was 32-27. Broncos, a bit of an upset that I was not expecting. I thought the Panthers had this game pretty easily. I was wrong. Overall, though, whenever we look at the stars of this game, uh, there is quite a good, quite a few good, decent performances. Mike Davis continues to do his thing. 26 points, 11 rushes for 51 yards and two touchdowns. And also had five receptions for 42 yards. He's pretty heavily involved in both the ground and pass game, which is something always good to see. Um, I, I want to ask you your opinion on something real quick. So with the Panthers having a losing record and not likely, I'm pretty sure they're eliminated from playoff contention, do you think they bring back Christian McCaffrey to play any part in this season? Like, I have him in a bunch of my leagues, and I'm hoping that he plays. But I want to know what your thoughts are. What do you think his shots are that he plays again sometime this year? Uh, realistically, I think so, because CMC has been pushing to get out there. And I think before this injury, he was going to play this week. But if I'm the Carolina Panthers, I don't bring him back. I signed him for $16 million a year. With guaranteed money that's something i just wouldn't do and like especially when it's a lost cause of a season i wouldn't say it's a lost cause of a season but at the same time there's no reason for them to be trying to fight for wins when like and you have mike davis who's mike davis is serviceable to have into like for the rest of the year right no i agree with you like if i was like in charge of the of the panthers i agree with you i would rest christian mccaffrey uh to me, it makes no sense not to, because here's the deal. You're you're not going to make it to the playoffs anyway, most likely. I, I can't remember whether they are eliminated or not, but their odds are not in their favor. Bringing Christian McCaffrey back only is going to increase the injury risk. And again, it's not like they don't have a serviceable replacement. Mike Davis has been playing very well, almost to the level of Christian McCaffrey, I would say, and hasn't. Uh, slowed them down at all. Alright, so other than Mike Davis, we had Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson also have decent performances on the Carolina Panthers. Teddy Bridgewater managed to get 20 fantasy points and Anderson 17.7. Uh, overall, though, with no... Somehow, Bridgewater had zero touchdowns, but still got the points through 283 yards uh, in the air. And then Anderson, eight receptions for 84 yards. And then the then for the Denver Broncos, the team that won this game, Drew Locke actually surprises everybody, goes out and passes for a four-touchdown game with no picks. And the, the running back situation continues to be kind of like a committee situation with around 10 to 15 rushes kind of split between the two running backs. And my guy, Tim Patrick, Three reception, 36 yards, and a touchdown. A guy that I started in some DFS lineups, which was really nice. Overall, though, uh, Drew Locke actually had a bounce-back game from when lots of people uh, had no faith in Drew Locke, and they were ridiculing him for the reason that the Denver Broncos had no starting QB because apparently the reports were that they weren't wearing masks or whatever, so... They had to go in with their emergency QB and basically lost that game to the Saints. 
uh, I think Drew Locke kind of proves himself in this game. Uh, I, I want to know one more thing. I'm just going to keep asking you bunches of questions. Do you think Drew Locke actually has future it, with the Denver Broncos heading forward after this game? Or do you think that Drew Locke is going to end up being a free agent and they're not going to ever resign him? Or do you think he has the potential to maybe be a franchise QB? I don't think he has the potential to be a franchise QB. Uh, I think he can start for him, and I don't think. I mean, I think he's decent. I don't. If but here's the thing: if they had the opportunity to go draft a Trevor Lawrence, to go draft a Justin Fields, or something like that, I would pull the trigger on it immediately. It's not like they in dire. They're not in dire need of a quarterback, but how it would improve their team, I think it's worth it. Um, personally, I think this year they go corner because that's a bigger need for them. But realistically, I wouldn't be shocked if they w- pulled the plug on the Drew Lock experiment. All right, so this may be a little bit bold, but I, I'm going to just say it. I feel like the Denver Broncos needed to pull the plug from John Elway as general manager. Uh, let's be honest. John Elway was a great QB back in his time starting with the Broncos, but let's be honest. I don't think he knows how to pick a starting QB in the NFL. Yeah, all of his attempts to do so have been pretty bad except for Peyton Manning who was who wasn't even drafted he was just a free agent signing and we already knew he was one of the greatest at the time other than that his luck has not been very good um I feel like the Broncos need to go a different way for a general manager and let somebody else do it uh John John Elway is a great player and will always be a great QB but I don't think general manager is his his specialty um, he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been great at quarterbacks. That's really the and at the end of the day, that's the one position that you need the most. Right. So, I mean, it's, if it's kind of bad though, because he was the starting QB. You would think that a starting QB would kind of, you know, would be good at scouting out their own like position, but that hasn't been really the case. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, then on to our next game. Vikings versus Buccaneers. So this one kind of went as expected. Low scoring game. Buccaneers get 26 points. Vikings get 14. Overall, uh, nobody really did super well. Uh, Nobody really had over 20 fantasy points. However, I will mention that Dalvin Cook had 19, which is pretty decent considering that the Tampa Bay Bucks defense has been very good against uh, running backs. And Delvin Cook was able to get 102 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Irv Smith also surprised everybody, being one of the solid tight ends this week. Four receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. And then Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins managed to get a a solid 17.1 fantasy points, outscoring Tom Brady's 15.64. And then Ronald Jones, 15.4 fantasy points, 80 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. Uh... Overall, though, I feel like the the Vi- or the Buccaneers seem like a pretty good team heading in uh, after this win, and the wild card spot seems like something they could they could pretty easily manage to get, especially considering the rest of their division isn't very good other than the Saints. Uh, the Panthers aren't likely gonna do it. The Falcons, they, they I mean they've played better as of late, but I still don't think they'll get in. A Buccaneers wildcard spot is something pretty interesting. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of thinking that if the Buccaneers get into the playoffs, they could be a sneaky, dangerous team. 
Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, they have their on and off moments, though. So if they have an off game, like in this one, Brady wasn't the best, but again, they got away with it because the Vikings just didn't look that great. At the same time, they they could go up against really good teams, but at the same time, they are really inconsistent. So they could end up losing in the first round, or they could end up being a dangerous team for one of these top two seeds. Right. No, I agree with that. Like, with the consistency deal, they kind of remind me a lot, like the Cardinals, that this is something I've mentioned all year. They look like a good team, but they just never seem to put it together every week. And in some weeks, they look really bad. And like, like you mentioned, if, like, I was thinking, like, with Tom Brady there in the playoffs, that could be something cool. It'd be sneak, kind of sneaky to kind of make them make their way into the NFC Championship, possibly. I don't think they have super. I don't think they're good enough to be a Super Bowl team. But do I think they could sneak their way into an NFC Championship? Sure, why not? But again, like you said, it's a consistency thing. Like just like with the Cardinals, it's something that I need to see before I would ever say that they are Super Bowl bound. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. It's like so for me, their defense has struggled luckily they did pretty d- decent against the vikings this week obviously earth smith kind of carved them up uh, four for four 64 and a touchdown but like they they're inconsistent like carlton davis had a good game but it's almost gotten to the point where their inconsistencies could all merge at one point and they just completely fall off the floor we see, we saw it against the saints and we saw it against the bears when they lost to the bears so it's something that we need to keep our eye on but like they they're inconsistent so they could have a really hot stretch and even make it to the super bowl or they could have a stretch where they just they get flat out destroyed in week one uh, of the playoffs right exactly all right on to our next game indianapolis colts versus las vegas raiders i actually didn't say oakland this time all right 44 27 colts win uh so overall for good performances in this game let's talk about jonathan taylor so jonathan taylor bounces back this week with 20 rushes for 150 yards and two touchdowns uh one thing that i gotta say is pretty frustrating though is that even with this performance that taylor's been having we saw the glimpses of this early in the game within the first drive he had like i believe 60 total yards in the first drive second drive back with the colts was benched and this is like this continues to be a problem is that Jonathan Taylor keeps being taken out for their running back by committee approach which obviously is not the best approach for the Colts Jonathan Taylor seems to be much better than the other options so I don't understand why they keep using the other options should they use them yes but should they be making it where the touches are near even sometimes and taking away Taylor from good opportunities i disagree um however so but jonathan taylor uh does thrive in this matchup taylor got also in the past game two receptions for 15 yards which is pretty solid something good that we need to see to somewhat build some sort of a rapport in the pass game which is something i always look for in running backs two receptions isn't great but it's better than lots of running backs are getting especially considering the issues of him staying on the field with the uh, Indianapolis Colts coaching staff so that's that's always a positive thing to see 
T.Y. Hilton, 25.6 points. T.Y. Hilton managed... The only reason T.Y. Hilton got this game is pretty much because of his two touchdowns. That's that's the only deal. Uh, he only had five receptions and managed to haul two of them in for touchdowns. Is this something I think we could see every week? I do not. Do we see? Do we continue to see five reception games from T.Y. Hilton? Sure. Do we see two touchdowns on those and 80-plus yards? I don't think so. I, I've never trust, trusted uh, T.Y. Hilton at all this year. He's somebody I was avoiding before, dra- before the draft, and he's still somebody that I do not completely trust. He's too boomer bust in nature, especially for a Colts team with Phillip Rivers at QB, who has kind of underperformed um, and isn't near as good as he used to be. And then for the, for the other side, Darren Waller and Nelson Aguilar are the stars for the Las Vegas Raiders. Nelson Aguilar gets 21 points, Darren Waller 14.5. When we take a look at their stat line, Nelson Aguilar got five receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. If you ask me, Nelson Aguilar's production is a little bit more consistent and stable than T.Y. Hilton's, even though they're both getting five receptions. Aguilar is less touchdown dependent on his points and managed to get 100 yards on the five receptions versus 80-some with Hilton's in a two. So that's some a li- something that we can see is that uh, Aguilar is less touchdown dependent. And then Darren Waller, seven receptions for 75 yards. Just a solid performance by Waller. He continues to put up numbers and prove that he is a top five tight end rest of season and should be drafted as so next year. I completely agree with that. Um, when it comes to tight ends for 2021, again, it's going to come down to four, and it's Waller, Andrews, Elsie, um, and Kittle, and then you obviously have everyone underneath. So it's really going to come down to how high that he comes in fantasy drafts in 2021. I, I don't expect him to be valued at a high price, so I feel like it might be an advantage, a, a, like a tactical advantage to go get or to go get a Kelsey Kittle, maybe possibly round or like late round one, and then looking into Waller or Andrews wherever they are in the draft. Right. No, I'm I'm not opposed to spending up for a tight end either. I feel like the advantage is just too good to pass up, and I feel like for whatever you spend to get tight end, whatever you're basically giving up, you could potentially get off the waiver wire. Uh, midway through the season anyway we've seen this uh, from both a running back and wide receiver position the one position where we haven't seen a waiver wire guy just come out and be a top option is tight end so I feel like solidifying that option is always going to be a decent strategy for next season absolutely all right so on to our next game this one was a complete blowout and it's something that we all were basically expecting. Uh, Jets Seahawks. Uh, the Jets only put up three points. Not surprising. They haven't been playing well all year anyway. We we shouldn't have expected them to put up not much anyway. Uh, Seahawks get 40 points against a very bad Jets defense. Uh, overall, with the Jets scores, the highest scoring points was Berrios with 7.9 so nothing the Jets offense was basically dead this week however on the Seahawks offense Russell Wilson DK Metcalf and Chris Carson all managed to score 18 or more fantasy points all had a good day 
Russell Wilson threw for four touchdowns, Metcalf getting one of them with six receptions for 61 yards. Metcalf continues to be very solid and safe, and this seems to be kind of what we can expect from Metcalf every week is around 50, 60 yards on a bad day, and then he still happens to get touchdowns. So overall, when we look at this, Metcalf has insane upside while also having a pretty safe and steady floor. And the Seahawks are one of the higher scoring NFL teams this year. And then for the running backs, Hyde actually gets more rushing attempts than Carson. Uh, Hyde gets 15 rushing attempts versus Carson's 12. And Carson out just outproduces though on the less touches with 76 yards versus 66 from Hyde and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Chris Carson also was involved more in the pass game for the running backs with three receptions for 22 yards. So overall going forward, Chris Carson is much better than Carlos Hyde. However, this week we I we feel like we probably saw more of a more of a bounce of this mainly due to game script and they were probably trying to rest him a little bit, but I want yeah, I, I, I want to know what that. your thoughts are on that. It's the same thing with uh, Zeke and Pollard in my opinion, except Carson's getting more work. Um in the sense of how game script so they were up 30 to 3 at one point so why would they with Carson already dealing with an injury before he got back of two weeks ago why would they risk putting him in and you could just put in Carlos Hyde so that's the reasoning behind it um, obviously it looks bad on the stat sheet but in reality when you look at the game script it tells a, a much clearer story in the story that Carson was the main guy at the beginning of the game but as soon as you see the game go out of hand they don't want to use him because of his injury concern Right. No, that makes complete sense to me. Um, I'm just glad. See, that's something that we should we should actually consider as a good thing, though, because do we do we really want the Seahawks to risk Carson as an injury risk for for a few more fantasy points whenever Carson already had a pretty solid day? I I don't think so. I would rather them. I'd rather him stay healthy and be able to play rest of season, in my opinion. Absolutely agree with that. And, like, he still had 60 yards and a touchdown. So, at the end of the day, it's completely fine with us. Right, exactly. All right, on to the next game. So, this one is something that I had lots of high hopes for. And it didn't turn out to be as promised. So, Chargers versus Falcons. Chargers score 20 points. Falcons score 17. Calvin Ridley has a very good game. 26.4 26.4 fantasy points. Calvin Ridley's stat line is very ridiculous. Eight receptions for 124 yards and a touchdown. One That one touchdown, I believe, was actually passed by Russell Gage, which was kind of surprising to see Russell Gage throw a touchdown like that. There's something with like the Falcons and their slot receivers always being able to throw touchdowns. Like They had Muhammad Sanu do that. Now they have... Uh, Russell Gage so that's kind of an interesting thing about the Falcons I guess Russell Gage also had I don't know if you were watching the game but he he threw an absolute dot that was insane he's better than Matt Ryan he might be the best set quarterback in the NFC South right now <laughs> but... I mean here here's the thing at least we know they have a better emergency QB than the Broncos do right oh yeah Kendall Hinton nah Russell Gage that's what we're talking about yeah exactly and in that one in that one pass he had more than Kendall Hinton. All right, let, let's be honest here though. So so we all we both know that Matthew Stafford is having like 
a rib injury. Now, I think he'll play because he's a tough guy, but let's say he doesn't play. Do you think, the just to be interesting, you think the Lions should roll out with Sanu and see what happens? No, they have Chase Daniel. They'll be fine. I think they'll if it, if it gets to the point where Chase Daniel gets hurt, then you would consider throwing in Mohamed Sanu, but not after Chase Daniel. Like, Chase Daniel's there, he'll be the guy. Right. No, I, I, I can agree with that. I just just for just for being a little bit interesting, I feel like Mohamed Sanu. We we've seen Mohamed Sanu. I believe he has one of the best passer ratings out of any player in the NFL. He he hasn't had a ton of attempts, but he's always it's done well when, with the ball in his hands. Right. All right, and then so that's about it for the Falcons players. It was Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage both had eighteen or more fantasy points. After that, nobody scored more than 10, including Matt Ryan, who kind of had a disappointing day with three interceptions. So, like you said, Russell Gage looks to be the better QB right now, even though he's not really a QB. And then on the Chargers side of things, Herbert kind of disappointed. 243 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. I thought Herbert would go crazy this week. I thought he would have a top three finish. I was wrong. The Falcons had the worst pass defense, and like you guys mentioned, uh, when I mentioned this, is that as of late, they've been a little stronger. Um, I probably should have took the advice a little bit more serious than I was, but again, I felt like it was a good matchup, and that Herbert, on a bounce-back week, could have done something, but I was wrong. Uh, My question is, how about your boy... Calling, uh, we we both uh, me and Snez both said QB three is a little is a little off, and then calling the Mitch Trubisky thing. Actually, though, like like if if I would have actually taken your advice in DFS and did did like a couple lineups with an Allen Robinson, Mitchell Trubisky stack, that would have been insane. I ended up uh, I only put in a dollar thirty this week and ended up winning thirty eight dollars. To put that into perspective for you guys listening. That's insane. I, I put in ten and won three thirty. So, that yeah. a boy. Yeah, no, not not a good week this week, but we can bounce back next week, and hopefully, ter- uh, put our bankroll back into the positive. All right, so back sure. back to the Chargers. Uh, Austin Eckler has a great game, twenty three point six fantasy points. His stat line also really good, fifteen rushes for seventy nine yards. And the best part of his stat line, nine receptions for 67 yards through the air. This is something, again, that I, I love to see, is whenever you are seeing your running back getting nine receptions, that's basically the amount of work as a receiver, right? Like like a like a wide receiver two kind of player, or even some wide receiver ones. And then he's still a threat on the ground game. Does he get 25 rushes? No, but he doesn't need 25 rushes to be good. On 15 rushes, he had 79 yards. And again, with the pass game work, it provides a very safe floor for Austin Eckler. And it also provides a lot of upside because on those nine receptions, he's getting those nine points. And he also is likely to get more yards per per a pass touch versus a rush touch. And touchdowns are also more likely. That's where the upside comes in. And then Keenan Allen, 20.2 points. However, Keenan Allen uh, had a couple injuries in this game. He had one injury. I can't remember what it was. He came back, and then he messed up his back in the second half. 
of the game. Um, overall, though, I uh, hope with a short week, uh, I don't know if we see Keenan Allen play. And also with Mike Williams. Mike Williams also wasn't... Um, Mike, Mike Williams also got injured. He may not play on a short week on Thursday. Uh, if that happens... Uh, I, I can't remember his name. You know his name. Johnson, the first name. So, okay, I'll go ahead and go through this. Um, so right. Tyron Johnson was more so like the slot guy when Keenan Allen was out. Um, so if Keenan Allen does is, is somehow out, Tyron Johnson could have some... Uh, I think he actually might be a dynasty pickup because he's not going to be available in most of like redraft leagues. Like, he won't be somebody that you should start in redraft leagues. But uh, Jalen Guyton is the uh, the Mike Williams guy, basically. Jalen Guyton is their deep threat that they use. So if either of those are hurt, those are the guys that would take their place. Not that I would recommend starting them, but they could have upside. Right. No, that's a good take. I like it. Um, however, though, if you're looking to not go with like somebody who's kind of like normally pretty far down on the depth charts, injuries to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams obviously are going to affect Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry big time. Uh, I would be starting both with confidence. Austin Eckler is already one of the best running backs in the league right now with one of the safest floors due to his receiving volume. But Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry looks like somebody pretty heavily start worthy this week, especially if uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are out. We, we all know that the football is going to be thrown with Herbert at QB there and somebody has to get the targets. So if with uh with Allen and Williams out, Henry becomes the best pass catcher other than Austin Eckler on the team. So in my opinion, uh, Hunter Henry should eat this week. I would agree with that. Um, interested to see who they play next week. I'm not entirely sure, but um, if I can, they play the Raiders. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and I'll probably have Hunter Henry in my top four tight ends this week, considering that they play the Raiders and that he has basically nobody else. I mean, Tyron Johnson might be a possible even start. So that's to put into perspective what we think. And Austin Eckler is going to feast as well. So I think that's something to keep in mind for this game. Yep. Right. All right. And then for a game that happened to be a pretty big upset that I don't think very many people was expecting, except for people in, uh, well, maybe people in Philadelphia. This game was Saints-Eagles. Eagles win 24-21. Overall in this game, I think we got to talk about Miles Sanders. So Miles Sanders had the most points in this game with 29.6. His stat line was pretty good. 14 rushes for 115 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Saints have not allowed a 100-yard rusher in a very long time. I don't have the number in front of me, but I know it is a very long time. The Saints are highly respected as one of the best rushing defenses in the league. And I don't know what happened this week, but Miles Sanders tore that defense apart. And Miles Sanders did very well. Along with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts also had over a 100-yard game. So not only have the Saints not allowed a 100-yard rusher for a very long time, they allow 200-yard rushers in this particular game against the Eagles who have been battling QB controversies and lots of scandals and all that stuff over 
in Philadelphia, it's it wasn't looking good for the Philadelphia Eagles football team. And then they go against the number one seed in the NFC, the Saints, and they put on two 100-yard rushers. If you ask me, that's something pretty incredible. And I don't think that's something we're likely to see for a while because the Saints defense is still good. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like to point at the echo what you said, Miles Sanders, for some reason, you want to know when he's had his best weeks? He's had him against Baltimore, he's had him against Pittsburgh, and he's had him against New Orleans. In the last three teams, you would expect to give up 100-yard rushes and give up big games to Miles Sanders. Like, that's crazy to think about, and, like, he's kind of struggling against good matchups. It doesn't make sense to me. I think we can call him an RB2, like an RB2 that you could start, but I... He's a star, especially if you have him on your bench and like you benched him for someone of much lesser talent. But like he's not a guy that I'm completely excited about yet. Right. I I don't think he I don't think he gained all of my trust yet because we've seen a lot of issues the last few weeks with Miles Sanders. But again, I think I think you do have to be a little more optimistic, seeing that he rushed for hundred plus yards against the Saints defense. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, them, the Buccaneers, and the Steelers all have been very good against the rush this year. And if if you run well against those three teams, uh, I feel like you kind of earn earn the start kind of heading into next week. So we'll see if Miles Sanders continues what he's doing now or if he lets us all down. Um, on t- so. Him and Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts were the only startable Eagles on the team this week. Nobody else scored 10 or more fantasy points, making them pretty much not not start-worthy, basically, unless you're a tight end. I guess you can be start-worthy if you have less than 10 points, but it's not well. Uh, Alvin Kamara, bounce-back game for Alvin Kamara. Only 11, 11 rush attempts, but he managed to get 50 yards and a touchdown on those. And then Kamara has, sees his receiving work kind of come back up to normal levels. Seven receptions for 44 yards. Um, this is something great that we love to see. Because we know with Taysom Hill at QB, we have seen lots less uh, passing volume for Alvin Kamara. But this week is a little more promising seeing the seven receptions for Alvin Kamara and a bounce back game. Taysom Hill gets 18 points. Overall pretty solid. And then Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas gets 16.4 fantasy points with a decent stat line of 8 receptions for 84 yards. Uh, Michael Thomas may be a top, may be a league winner rest of season. Um, he could uh, come back to full form like he had last year. I want to know what your thoughts are on Michael Thomas rest of season. Uh, he's decent. Um, I think his value has actually done pretty well with Taysom Hill, realistically. And he's still getting the targets that he, we, we once were asking for when we were envisioning Michael Thomas in the first round for people who had him like as someone you should draft in the first round. I wouldn't say he is a league winner. He is going to consistently give you 15, 16 a game PPR with getting eight receptions. 84 yards, that's that's a realistic stat line you can expect from him almost every week. He is Kansas City, Minnesota, and Carolina, or Minnesota, uh, Minnesota in the championship. So you could see a really good stat line. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't think he's a league winner because I think he's someone that you drafted. Unless you traded for him at a really low price, and I could see 
from league winning you because at the end of the day, he's just going to stay that consistent 15, 16 points a game. And I don't expect anything much more than that. All right. That's a fair assessment. That's, I probably should have clarified that, but that's what I meant is like during the season when people were frustrated with Michael Thomas, if you bought low and he now seems to perform to good levels like he should have like all season, then I would consider him a league winner. So I, I could agree with that. I probably should have clarified that a little bit better. All right. And then on to my favorite game of the week, Packers versus Lions 31-24 great game overall Aaron Rodgers has an amazing game 30.9 fantasy points Aaron Rodgers gets three touchdown or three touchdowns 290 yards and a rushing touchdown pretty impressive Devontae Adams continues to play very well 24.5 fantasy points seven receptions 115 yards and a touchdown and then Marquez Valdez Scantling. Marquez Valdez Scantling is somebody that really surprised me in this game. And I feel like he could um, continue to be a good receiving option. Not not for the rest of the year. Uh, like, I'm not too concerned about that. But, like, next year. I feel like next year, Marquez Valdez Scantling could take a big leap forward and become a solidified wide receiver, too, on the Packers with Aaron Rodgers on the team. 20.5 fantasy points, 6 receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling looked very good in this game. Um, as far as Dynasty goes, though, it, is he a buy, in your opinion? Because as of right now, I feel like Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, has pretty much earned the wide receiver 2 role as long as the Packers do not go and add anybody through the draft or free agency this, this offseason. I, th I think it's almost guaranteed that they have the wide receiver at some point, um, whether it is in the second round or third round that they can use over MBS is yet to be determined. But I think if I'm the Packers, first off, I look towards interior run defense because that's what they need the most. Second, I would look towards wide receiver. But in, at the end of the day, like I think they could lose Al Zardin free agency. I think they could bring him back. But I think that's something that, I wouldn't buy Marquez because of how good this upcoming draft class uh, that this upcoming draft class is, and we'll talk about that on future podcasts. But I think this future draft class is a lot better unless you're trading like a third, or maybe even a yeah. If you're trading a late third for Marquez, yes. But other than that, it's not something that I would highly invest in. All right, fair fair point. Then on the Detroit Lions side of the football. TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift continue to have pretty good games. The The only good players that we're going to mention on the Detroit Lions, DeAndre Swift has seven rushes for 24 yards and a touchdown. Not a lot of volume there, but again, DeAndre Swift managed to get the 24 yards and a touchdown, which really helped out his value. And again, something that I continue to preach with running backs is that DeAndre Swift had four receptions for 26 yards, again, providing a pretty safe and easy six-point floor. If he can continue to do this week in, week out, and get about four catches, that's a six-point floor, even with a bad rushing day. And on days where he can manage to put in a touchdown or get some more, more rushing volume, he can continue to see good work. I feel like with Daryl Bevel now is like the interim head coach, I feel like that eventually with Swift becoming healthier and healthier that it will 
be less of a committee. I'm not going to say that they're going to shy away and just get rid of it completely, but I do feel like that it will be more in Swift's favor because that's something that Daryl Bevel has done through his career. Uh, and I feel like people who bought into Swift uh, like kind of mid-season are really happy right now with what they're seeing out of Swift as he can be a start-worthy running back heading into the rest of the year. And then TJ Hawkinson, one more thing I want to mention. TJ Hawkinson has looked very good. Uh, six receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson looks very, very solid. And right now, I think I would put him in at that top five tight end range, right, right behind Waller, Andrews, Kittle, and Kelsey for next year. Uh, what, what, like, that's probably how my, uh, pre-draft rankings are looking for 2021 at tight end. What, what's yeah, your thoughts on have, that? Personally, I have in Dynasty, I have Hawkinson at tight end three. Um, just to put it in the, in the perspective, and then in terms of redraft, in terms of next year, I don't have official rankings yet, but he's at the 4-5 range near where Mark Andrews is. So that mid-tier is where we expect him to be. So it's it, it'll be interesting to see what weapons leave and what weapons come in like this offseason, because at the end of the day, Marvin Jones is a free agent. Kenny Galladay is a free agent. So at the end of the day, they could go in a complete different direction, and that could affect Hawkinson. But for me, Hawkinson's a top five option. All right, sounds very good. So we'll head on to we have three games left to cover. Washington football team versus the 49ers. Overall, low scoring game. Washington football team wins 23 to 15. Uh, players to mention in this game. Brandon Ayuk. So I want to talk about Brandon Ayuk here for a little bit. So Debo Samuel has uh, suffered an injury. He's not looking like he... Uh, well, actually, I can't remember the injury. Do you remember what the injury was? It was a hamstring, but I, we don't know the severity of it yet. Right. It looked bad. So right now, uh, with Debo Samuel being out and Kittle being out and the running back situation just kind of looking messy... Um, even even without uh, Jimmy Garoppolo playing, Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion, right now, I would consider him a wide receiver, a, a low-end wide receiver one to high-end wide receiver two in fantasy rest of season. Brandon Ayuk has looked very good. He's getting tons of targets. This week he had 10 receptions for 119 yards. Uh, it's simply it's simply a deal that there's none no but no other really super good players uh, who can catch the ball well in the offense and until Debo comes back and until Kittle comes back I feel like Brandon Ayuk has a very solid floor with lots of upside in the 49ers offense. No, Ayuk is someone who Ayuk I had him ranked ahead of Debo Samuel and I got some backlash for it but Ayuk has been taking. Since he's been back and before he was on the COVID list, he's taking more targets per game than Debo Samuel is. So I think it it doesn't really show. I mean, it shows something, and it, what it shows is that these two both are can be used together. It'll be interesting to see when Kittle comes back. I don't know if he'll come back this season, uh, as to where I thought he could um, earlier on in the year. But it's something to realize that Ayuk is really. He might be taking over as like the second receiving option behind Kittle, and Samuel's obviously there as a guy who's 
a lot uh, like they're both yards after catch specialists. So, but Debo Samuel's used as more like the gadget guy, and Ayuk's used more as like get him in the field and open space, like down the field, and not more so like behind the line of scrimmage. Right, exactly. Um, but I like I like Brandon Ayuk's future both both for the rest of the season and even in Dynasty. I think Brandon Ayuk could be a pretty special player in the 49ers offense going forward. Um, and then on the Washington football team, the defense was the star of the show for them. 23 fantasy points, overall a great day. Other than that, it was pretty lackluster. My one uh, RB uh, matchup favorite this week was J.D. McKissick because I felt like he could get lots of the work. It turned out I was wrong, and he only got 11 rushes versus Barber's 12. Uh, Peyton Barber continues to be uh, the thorn in many sides for every running back, like every backup running back ever. And a little, little disappointed in that, but it is what it is. I was wrong on the McKissick call. I felt like McKissick could do pretty well, even against a kind of a tough 49ers defense. He did manage to get a pretty decent yards per carry. He had 11 rushes and got 68 yards, which is above five yards per carry which isn't bad, but again, the, the workload wasn't there enough to provide much of a, a very good fantasy day. He had 10 points, which is solid, but it's nothing that you were looking for out of a back that I expected to get much more volume. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like he just got the same amount of targets he did with Gibson, and Barber just took on the rushing role, so that's kind of the what we thought. And then a tougher matchup, we were hoping for the we were hoping for the targets, and it turned out not to be that way. I was lower on him than, than the consensus, actually, so that was something that I was right on. But at the same time, I was expecting – it was more so I like some of the guys ahead of him or behind him, not as much that I didn't really like his outcome. But he kind of disappointed, and it, it was it was tough to see. Like it, You knew he was going to get a good amount of targets, but he didn't get the amount of targets that we were expecting. All right. I think one I think one reason that we should mention this is that Alex Smith uh, did not play the full game, and Dwayne Haskins did end up coming in. So I do feel like that affected the target volume a little bit. But again, uh, I made the call. I thought that J.D. McKissick could get be be a solid running back this week and get at least over 15 points. And instead, he just got a kind of a basic solid 10. I mean, I'll take it. He didn't completely bust, but it's just not what I was expecting. I completely agree with that. All right, and then two more games left. We'll go ahead and head on to the Sunday night football game. The Pittsburgh Steelers. They started out the season, I, what was it, 11-0? And now I believe they have lost two straight games to the Washington football team and the Buffalo Bills. Overall in this game, though, Stefan Diggs was the player of this game. 29.1 fantasy points. His stat line was insane. 10 receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown. Very good game by Stephon Diggs. Again, though, the running backs for the Buffalo Bills continue to be pretty much a non-factor. They had they split the carries 13 and 7 between Moss and Singletary, and both of them had under 50 rushing yards. Um, again, and I've said this, I can't remember how many episodes ago, that the Bills running backs are not in my opinion, they aren't even worth a roster spot, and, and, and except in like deep leagues. But 
Josh Allen just cuts into their work too much, and they do not use them enough to make them viable starting options. And I think this is something that we really expected against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are one of the better rushing defense teams in the league. They especially weren't viable starting options, but again, just the work isn't there for them. They have to split. They have. They ha- basically have to split it. It's it's really like a three man committee because Josh Allen takes a sizable portion of the rushing game. Yeah, for sure. And like that's something that we wanted to see one of them emerge. But as long as they're together, there's no upside for either back. Um, like unless one of them emerges outside of the other. So I think the main thing I want to talk about though is Deontay Dropson. Uh, you heard that right. He leads the league in drops and ended up getting benched for a lot of this game until like the very end. So is this something that we worry about or is this nothing much to... Um, What I think is I think this is going to be just a temporary game thing. I feel like he'll end up being started in the next game and it shouldn't be anything to worry about unless he continues to perform, to perform uh, poorly. But I, I don't think we've seen that. Deontay Johnson has played well this year, except for the drop, except for the drops like you have mentioned. But again, uh, I, I feel like it's going to be a game-to-game thing, and just they'll see how he does. Yeah, for sure. And then Juju Smith-Schuster was the best player for the Pittsburgh Steelers, 17.5 fantasy points, 6 receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Roethlisberger kind of disappointed. Connor disappointed. Uh, it was pretty much Smith Schuster. He was the only player who did uh, well enough to earn a start. James Washington kind of did pretty decent, and but the, again, that was mainly due to Deontay Johnson being benched and being able to get one of his three receptions in for a touchdown. Without the touchdown, he would have only had like five points. So nothing we could really rely on consistently. He's still the wide receiver four on the team. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, and then for our Monday night football game, this one was a high-scoring game, something that I was not expecting. 47-42 Ravens end up winning this game. Baker Mayfield on the Browns ends up putting 30 points, something that we would have never expected. Uh, normally, whenever we look at the stat lines for the Browns, uh, Baker Mayfield is only throwing like 20 to 25 passes a game. And this one, he throws 47, goes for 343 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And then this was a Chubb game on the ground. 17 rushes for 82 yards and two touchdowns. Hunt happened to get a six rushes, uh, 33 yards, and a rushing touchdown. The rushing touchdown really saved him in the ground for Hunt, but again, Hunt is heavily involved in the receiving game. Six receptions for 77 yards and another touchdown. Hunt Hunt and Chubb are both used very well in the offense, and they always seem to have pretty decent days, uh, in especially in high-scoring games, but whenever the game script is there, Nick Chubb also performs uh, really well as well. But I think Mayfield kind of surprised us all as something that we weren't expecting a 30-point game from. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson scores 34 points. He also, uh, according to reports, he had to leave like mid-game to use the toilet. I'm not sure how true this is, but uh, even, even with that happening, 
Lamar Jackson ran all over the Browns. His passing attack was not the main beneficiary of his points with only 163 yards at touchdown. It was on the ground game. Nine rushes for 124 yards in two touchdowns, providing Jackson a very solid 34.92 fantasy points. And yeah, then, so something to, something to mention about that. Like we we loved the we love this game. Um, obviously, I'm still hurt from Kareem Hunt absolutely ruining my playoff chances. But at the end of the day, the, this game showed one of two things. It showed that Baker is capable of, like, if they need to throw back into a game, it's possible. Um, I see Lamar Jackson showed his rushing capability. I mean, at the beginning of this game, he had, like, 100 rushing yards and then three passing yards is absolutely ridiculous and that's the the that's the quarterback one upside you have with Lamar not that he's a great thrower of the football but he just has a way of running the football that it gives you that elite quarterback one upside and that's something you can expect because they have Minnesota and then Jacksonville so that's one of the best matchups when it comes to that that end of the season they have a cupcake the rest of the way Right, right, exactly. And then for the running backs of the of the Baltimore Ravens, um, this game was kind of interesting. Uh, Jackson had the most rushing yards on the team, but he had nine attempts. Uh, Dobbins managed to get 13 rushes for 53 yards on that touchdown. And then Edwards, uh, Gus the Bus Edwards, seven rushing attempts for 49 yards and two touchdowns. So overall, the running backs uh, in this game were pretty touchdown dependent. Without the touchdowns, they just had pretty mediocre performances. But again, uh, being since this was a high-scoring game, there was lots of touchdowns to go around. So you can't really fault them for that. But again, without the touchdowns, not much of a not much of a steady floor there. Uh, Dobbins would have had five points, and Edwards would have had four. But uh, overall, J.K. Dobbins looks to be getting and moving more into a starting role with the uh, with the Ravens, which is something we like to see as uh, owners who drafted him, uh, the rookie running back who's been pretty talented and has shown lots of skill. But again, Gus, and Gus Edwards kind of cuts into it a little bit. And a correction with what I said, I said uh, Minnesota and Jacksonville, uh, that it's the the Jaguars and then the Giants, so pretty pretty much of a cupcake matchup in terms of quarterback one upside and then the up that jk dobbins has and like his dfs value i i found this on twitter is five nine for this next week so if you're interested in a dfs play that's probably one of the better ones and then in terms of the snap count uh, i was able to find it jk dobbins had about 66 percent um 37 out of 60 and then gus edwards had 16 mark ingram only had one which is absolutely insane to think about. Yeah, no, that's that's not normal at all. That that's, has to be at least a little bit concerning for Mark Ingram owners. Yeah, I, I don't think... I think Mark Ingram should pretty much be dropped at this point, and, like, he's he basically has no future left. It's uh, basically it. Yeah. All right, so that's going to cover all of our games. Uh, if you want to, we'll go ahead and highlight about two or three top waiver wire pickups for each of us that'll give us that'll give our our listeners about six guys to target on the waivers 
uh, before the waivers have to go through uh, Tuesday. I believe it's like Tuesday night, something like that. So I'll go ahead and start with the with my number one claim for the week. I'm going to go with a QB here. And I think we all know who I'm going to talk about. If you are in any sort of a super flex league or a deep league, or say you're in a one QB league and QBs just haven't been working out for you, why not take a shot on Jalen Hurts? So we saw what happened uh, with Jalen Hurts. Did he have? Did he do well in the air? Not really. But it doesn't really matter. Whenever he ran for a hundred rush or hundred uh, plus rushing yards, do I think he has the rushing ability? Like that's on the same tier as Lamar Jackson? No. But is his up there in the top five? I would think it is. Right now, Jalen Hurts has lots of rushing upside, and because of that, again, like I said. With QBs, you want to look for rushing because it helps provide a floor and some upside if their passing game continues to do well or if they manage to get in some of the touchdowns. And with running backs, you're looking for receiving because, again, it provides a floor and upside. And that's something that I always like to look for with QBs. So if you're kind of struggling at QB a little bit, take a shot on Jalen Hurts, uh, throw him in your lineup, see what happens. Yeah, I can 100% agree with that. And so I'll go ahead and go with a guy that I that could be a possible pickup, and that is DeAndre Washington of the Dolphins. And that's the only way I would see that this is a pickup is if again he basically it would be where Gaskins out again, which is very likely. So basically, the only weapons on that field are Lynn Bowden, DeAndre Washington. So I think Washington is a pickup if. Uh, Gaskin were to miss another game and he actually had a decent amount of receiving volume so that's something to keep in mind I, I'll go ahead and go like him in a package one with Lynn Bowden who's at a 1% roster percentage owned if there is no other weapons out there on the field Lynn Bowden is going to be a be a, basically a target magnet he already saw nine targets seven receptions and 82 yards so that's something we can expect again obviously a harder uh, quarterback matchup but it, it's something to keep in mind for this week as there's basically no other options in Miami. Right. Okay. So if you're, so like you mentioned some running back options in the Dolphins backfield, I'm going to mention one in the 49ers backfield. I feel like Jeff Wilson should be added or should be a priority add this week. He happened to find the end zone this week in the 49ers backfield where it looks like there's no clear path in sight for who really is the number one some weeks it looks like it could be Mostert some weeks it looks like it's Jeff Wilson we we never really know who it is but because of this I feel like it's a good idea to own a share in the 49ers backfield and get a share of uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. who rushed 11 times for 31 yards he had a touchdown and he, he had three targets in this game, although only he was only able to manage to catch one of them for 13 yards. So, again, though, one, one thing to mention is that the Washington football team's rushing defense, I believe, has been pretty decent this year. Um, but, again, just, just taking a shot at getting the lead back in the 49ers is always a good idea. So that's why Jeff uh, Wilson Jr. is going to be a priority ad for me this week. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about, um, obviously, Yahoo. Yahoo's down right now, so I can't really see the roster percent owned he is in Yahoo leagues. 
But let's talk about Russell Gage, the wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, and with the season pretty much done for the Atlanta Falcons, conventional wisdom will tell you that Julio Jones may sit up the rest of the season. If it, and if he does, I mean, there's a good chance Russell Gage takes over. I mean, he had five catches for 82 yards and then also had a passing touchdown, which, again, he's the best quarterback in the NFC South. So Russell Gage is a guy who he's going to take some of the targets, especially with Julio Jones out and is somebody that, I mean, if you're in need of a wide receiver, he's someone who you can pick up and you can trust versus, like, there's some guys where it's just not the case and you're not able to get that security. Right. No, I feel like that's a really good pick. And I'm going to go with one more pick. And uh, I'm going to try to not be biased here, but I really like from what I've seen from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So if you're in a deep league, I'm not going to recommend this in, say, like 10-team leagues, but if you're in, say, 12, 14, 16-team leagues, I feel like Marcus Valdez-Scantling has earned his spot as the wide receiver, too, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers in a very good offense. I feel like why wouldn't you want a wide receiver, too, in a good offense? Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has earned my, my trust and I feel like he can do pretty well. He managed to haul in a touchdown, and he did. he's shown some good flashes in this game. True, it was against the weak line secondary, but that doesn't really matter to me a whole lot. I feel like just the work is there, and I feel like Marquez Vadis-Scantling is very talented. I feel like if you want to take a shot on him, uh... I'm just I'm not trying to be biased here, but again, I I just really like for like what I saw from Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling. He looks like he took a big step up this week, and I'm in, I'm really excited to see what he can do in the future. So, uh, my last guy is going to be a tight end, and it's going to be Irv Smith. He had a really fantastic game, and if Kyle Rudolph is out again, you can trust Irv Smith. And Irv Smith is going up against Chicago, who gives up the tenth most to fantasy or fan, uh, tenth most fantasy points to tight ends. So if he's Available with Kyle Rudolph out, I mean, that's something that we we can really probably trust. And he could be a tight end one for you at, at this late in the fantasy playoffs, which is fantastic. So I think him, also another name to throw out is Jordan Aikens. He only had five uh, five fantasy points today or yesterday, but he had a touchdown, which or he had a touchdown dropped. So he's going to be used with Sean Watson, especially with all these other weapons out. So Jordan Aikens... If Irv Smith is not available, so those would be my two tight ends uh, waiver options. All right, just kind of, just kind of, kind of throw some out there with the whole Jordan Aikens pick. I feel like Chad Hansen is somebody that I'm kind of surprised you didn't mention, but I feel like Chad Hansen is somebody else who uh, could benefit from the lack of uh, receiving options in the Houston Texans for now, and he seemed to play pretty well. Uh, the guy with like the news reporter or the sports announcer name. Played well, Chad Hansen. So I feel like he's also worth an add to. I would add Chad Hansen over Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, but Marquez Valdez Scantling for me is a deeper league add, whereas Chad Hansen has uh, something that you could play in 10 team leagues. Sure. Now, before we end up uh, heading off on this episode, I want to get your opinion on something. So. Obviously, as you know, Jonathan Taylor slander is no longer a part of the of page because I mean he's just dominating. So, if you had to name four names or three or four names as of right now, could replace Jonathan Taylor that we could slander on my page? Who would it be and why? 
I feel like we should go so after Zeke. Like once you get to four, I think I'll have a poll on my story in a few days. All right. So who should I end up slander? Or who should I end up slandering on top of Joshua Kelly? All right. So I feel like number one, let's go with Josh Jacobs. Um, I, not it's not really that he's disappointed lately. I mean, he has a little bit, but I, I don't know what's what what happened to the guy. But he just all of a sudden started being pretty hostile against like the whole fantasy community as in general. So for that. He's going to be number one on my list. Number two, I think Ezekiel Elliott is another one that should be added to the list. He's just massively underperformed, and I'm not sure if he can return back to the elite level like I was hoping. Um, After that, it's kind of tough. But, I mean, though, I, I knocked out two pretty, pretty t- uh, top-tier elite running backs at, at the beginning of the season anyway. Um... Let me think here. Uh, let me put a couple players that I just never liked. Let's go with AJ Green and Ty Hilton. But Ty, no, uh, you're gonna have to have to replace Ty because uh, he kind of went off. That's true. Okay, let's go with uh, Duke Johnson. I can understand. So basically, the four you're saying are Duke Johnson. J. Green and then Josh Jacobs and then which one was the second one? Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, okay. So uh, you heard it here first, folks. You get a sneak preview on who is going to be next to slander. I'll have a post on it on my story to decide whoever I want to slander. Um, and before we before we go, um, I'm gonna go and uh, say this. So uh, for the next few weeks after, I mean, Championship Week. We'll have a few uh, NFL uh, NFL um, draft guides, some dynasty stuff. So there's one guy that you you think is under the radar in dynasty formats. Who would it be and why? Wait, are you asking, I mean, are you asking me? Yeah, so, so like for our viewers in a dynasty format so like obviously as we're gonna get into it um next next fall who's a guy that you think could go under the radar in dynasty like and you can probably possibly even buy low on them this next offseason well if i was to kind of look at somebody right now uh i'm gonna be honest i i can't even think of anybody Okay, so here's here's my philosophy. Um, if you guys haven't seen my Twitter, I've posted this a few times, but like there is a lot of free agents in this class. There is guys from Aaron Jones to Jamal Williams to Wayne Gallman, and even guys like Le'Veon Bell. Um, there's a lot of guys who can ruin backfields, um, and some are free agents, but I think there's a few names I, I want to keep you guys aware of. J.K. Dobbins, who has... Um, the only guy under contract after him is Justice Hill. Um, Tampa Bay, Ronald Jones is the only – him and Keyshawn Vaughn are the only running backs under contract in that backfield. So it's – when you're playing Dynasty, you want to keep in mind contracts and also if there is a room for a running back to come into that situation because, heck, if, Ron, if Ronald Jones has Keyshawn Vaughn all to himself, could be an RB1 for as long as that's available. So it just, it's something that you need to keep in mind when you're in a dynasty format as we're going to go, go ahead and get into it. What teams are in need of a running back and what teams could go running back and how would that affect their situation? 
Right. I think one thing that I should mention, again, I'm going to bring up the Packers again. Uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both on contract years right now. So that means uh, using using that philosophy, uh, A.J. Dillon would be a good pick uh, for next year, possibly, to be a lead back. And e- even if he isn't the lead back, right, say they resign one of the two backs, which I think is highly likely, uh, then he's still going to be in that mix for some work and he could uh he could prove to be the better running back and get some more work and be a solid goal line back. Yeah, and that's something that we need to we need to consider. Like AJ Dillon obviously could be wide open into a situation. I mean and think about it this way, there's there's gonna be situations where I mean there's Wayne Gallman who Wayne Gallman has shown to be really well, but at the end of the day are they gonna pay five million dollars or four million dollars a year to keep him around with Saquon Barkley already there and the answer is probably not so you have to kind of guess I mean he could go to a situation like Buffalo or he could ruin all of our fantasy years and go to Baltimore that's that's two likely scenarios that we could see so at the end of the day you kind of have to think about it that way so AJ Dillon could be a possible buy low because at the end of the day if if Aaron Jones doesn't resign and it's just Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon AJ Dillon's value goes up a heck of a lot more. Right, exactly. And that's something that we'll go ahead and get into later in in Dynasty podcast once we do that after the season. But it's just kind of an introduced uh, warm up to you guys. And uh, if you want to go ahead and do, do you want to do the keyword of the day, or do you want me to do the keyword? I, of the I day? think I think it's uh, fitting that beans we we talked about four players that we should slander. I think we should go ahead and use keyword slander. For this episode so again rules are simple dm us through either one of us the word slander into our dms and uh, if we see it we will give you a free shout out that will be posted on our story for 24 hours and the only way that you can get a free shout out from us right here through the podcast is again using the keyword slander absolutely and uh quick slander um Florida Gators, how do you lose to a three-win LSU team that has lost 17 out of 22 of their starters and um, they were rolling out their fourth-string freshman quarterback? So that's my that's my slander for now. <laughs> it's uh, I am unfortunately a Florida fan, so that was tough to watch. Ouch. Well, that is going to be all for the episode. So again, one more time before we leave, where can our listeners find you? Um, at first, you could find me on JT Slander on Instagram, but unfortunately, that no longer exists. So, uh, Fantasy Football Advocate on Instagram, and then Advocate Fantasy on Twitter. All right, and then you can find me on uh, Instagram at SackAttack underscore Fantasy Football, and you can find me on Twitter at SackAttack underscore FF. Um, I also decided to start a Facebook page and group. It's very small right now, but again, it's just like a way to kind of help expand the brand a little bit. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and check that out, it's the same name as my Instagram account, basically. And I'm all my posts from Instagram are also going to uh, now be posted on Facebook as well, if that's like your preferred median of social media. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, that's going to be all for the episode. Any last for words? Sure. Uh, one quick uh, takeaway, if you're listening to this, um, especially for the NFL draft, Javante Williams is Chris Carson with draft capital. So uh, just to let you know, and that'll be a post that I have today. 
Nice. All right. You see this. That will be all, everybody. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your night. Y'all, boys.